on this week's episode, it's good to be a bad boy this weekend. When comic book and film superhero universes collide, and it's time for some carpool karaoke. All this and more as you once again delve into me, 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 the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source and the Lakers Fast Break and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own singing diva of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And also his great show, Topicocalypse, and his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What up, what up, what up? How's it going? Well, right now it's going okay until I probably turn off our entire audience. And also our friendship gets destroyed in the latter half of the show. Because I'm going to do some singing with some carpool karaoke type deal with Roxy Mobile Karaoke from Pepcom coming up later in the program. Also as well, we have interviews with Pop Sockets and also as well Oral B. Those are three great interviews we have on tap from CES and Pepcom. They're going to be sprinkled in throughout the program. Plus also as well, we've got Jessica Boggs with part two of her January TV update. And Josh and I on the back end, if he can still stomach it, who knows after hearing my voice. We're going to talk about DC and Marvel. Both their universes started getting a little bit closer together with some TV that happened over the course of the past week, but also an interesting trailer that came out by Sony. So we're going to talk about the DC and Marvel universes coming a little bit closer, coming up later in the program, and whether or not Josh and I like it or not. But first, my friend, Bad Boys 3, it exceeded expectations at the box office. Looks like over the course of the three-day weekend, actually four-day if you include Friday, it's going to earn about $70 million, which is well above the expectations that are out there. You know what? I'm going to give kudos to Troy, once again, from the Discover Community Network. You know, he is telling us that we should have more faith in a film like that, bringing in an audience. I kind of disagree with him a little bit because I thought anytime you're dealing with nostalgia, most of these nostalgia projects, these reboots, these films that have come out after so many years with a sequel and whatnot, they have a tendency not to go ahead and hit its target audience. But this looks like it did. It's actually even sparked, according to the Hollywood trade papers, Sony saying, you know what, we're going to go ahead and start work on a fourth one. So another Bad Boys movie could be in the works. I know the script is already being drawn up as we speak. So I want to hear from you, your thoughts on Bad Boys 3. Why was it such a big success? Because you and I are so down on another nostalgia project after another, after another, that it gets to the point where we're not sure which nostalgia will work with audiences and which ones won't. I don't know. Like, this is a mystery to me. Like, I haven't actually read any of the reviews yet, but it seems like, you know, we were wrong about this. Like, I I didn't exactly predict that it was going to bomb, but I just said I didn't imagine it doing well. And, you know, it looks like I was wrong about this. So 
I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, these nostalgia films, it's a 50-50 chance, and it, there is no predicting it at all because, you know, Bad Boys 1 and 2, well, they were enjoyed by fans of action films and fans of that genre of film. I didn't see this happening. It kind of came out of nowhere, so I don't know why it did well. You know, again, I haven't read a lot about it, but the fact that Sony is already greenlighting a sequel either shows that they're desperate for their next hit or... You know, this is a property that they truly believe in. And if that's the case, why did it take so long to make? And again, with Bad Boys 4, how long until that one is made? It's going to be another 10 years. Who knows? What are your thoughts, though? No, now I think it's going to be because it's going to involve most likely Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. This probably has to be within a context or a span of two to three years. So it shouldn't take that long, especially because their storylines are not so in-depth. You know, it's just, okay, how can Will Smith shoot 200 more bad guys? Similar to what we see with John Wick. You know, how many bad guys can John Wick kill in this film as opposed to the last one? In this case, the same thing. How many bad guys or drug cartel people or anything anything like that? How many can you go ahead and shoot in the span of a two-hour time frame with him and Martin Lawrence trying to cut jokes along the way? So. It shouldn't be that difficult to come up with something like that because they're not going into heavy detail. They're not going to go ahead and throw out you know, a, a, a whole bunch of effects at you, although they are getting a little bit pricier with those type of movies. I mean, we talked about it on the PCC Multiverse. They're getting to the $90, $100 million range as far as the cost for this film. So it does have to earn about $325, $350 million before you really can say, you know what? It's going to take open profit, but I think it actually can at this point in time, because of the great start that it has here domestically, I think it can actually reach to that point. So obviously it will be justified by Sony to go ahead and green light a sequel. I'm just, you know, I just, it, when it comes down to a nostalgia place, it's just hard for us out there as an audience to see which ones work and which ones don't. I mean, the ratings and reviews are similar to what we saw with the last Terminator and that both films were marginally thought of well and things of that nature. When, when you look at it on both Rotten Tomatoes and also Metacritic, but one hit while the other one was a massive failure. So it's kind of difficult to understand what these audiences are wanting to choose when it comes to nostalgia. But then again, it's probably just going to green light three, four, five more projects because Bad Boys did well. And that's the thing. For every one that does hit, you'll see three or four that don't. We see it all the time on television. and We talk about it all the time where all these reboots and all these nostalgia plays get greenlit and very few wind up being a success story. So it's kind of interesting to see how that goes. Doolittle, on the other hand, it didn't do as bad as people thought it would, but it's still only going to earn $30 million over the course of four days. Still not great, especially the fact that it costs almost $200 million to make, and it will probably never see a dime in profit, no matter how much it makes around the world. That's a very disappointing number for Robert Downey Jr. and obviously the folks at Universal. But when it comes to the success story this weekend, it has to be all about the bad boys. And one last thing, when we touch upon the success of bad boys and bad boys three, the one thing I want to ask you is, is it just because people, I think at this point in time in January, just needed, like we had talked about before, a palate cleanser, just something that it was not heavy at all, was light, was funny, had a little bit of action, just similar to what we saw with Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw was not going to earn any awards, 
but it was going to go ahead and meet that certain niche as far as those looking for just some light action here who with a lot of jokes that just you know has people going you know what i really enjoyed that flick it's not going to be something i'm going to remember but hey it was just a lot of fun while it was there yeah it is a popcorn flick i'd be interested to see what the demographics are of this film of people who went to go see it but you know it bad boys 2 was a fun ride like it was not it's not a bad movie. Like it was quite enjoyable, but it's just, it's something that happened so long ago. I wasn't sure anyone would really care anymore. Yeah. I mean, like, similar to what we saw with Blade Runner 2049. Right. But Blade Runner 2049 was such like a deep intellectual film that I can see why people be turned off by it. I personally loved it. And I know you did too, but with this, this is just kind of something it's mind numbing in a way, you know, there's no like deep layered storylines just about these two cops. It's kind of like rush hour, but with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. So I could see people going to see it just because it is a fun film. You know, again, I haven't seen any like advertising campaigns or target or Walmart's putting out reprints of the first two films. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm curious like how it's doing so well. And, you know, do people really, what is the demographics of people going to see it? Is it young kids or is it people who grew up watching the ones in the nineties and the early two thousands? That is something interesting to talk about as far as who is exactly watching this film, as far as from an age group standpoint, is it like you said, young kids who haven't seen the previous two that just thought this would be a really cool flick to see, or is the majority of people going in, let's say your age group or my age group that saw the movies 18 and 25 years ago, that have a fond memory for it. That's why they wanted to go ahead and return to the theater. So we'll have to wait and see what the demographics line up for. That'd be interesting to go ahead and follow up on. But you mentioned Rush Hour 4. I haven't heard anything definitive on that yet. I mean, that's been floating around for a long time as far as possibly reigniting that. It would be interesting to see now that Bad Boys 3 did so well. Could a Rush Hour 4 be not far behind? Well, again, you know, it's been talked about for a long time, and they tried to put out a series, right? If I remember correctly, as a Rush Hour series didn't do so well. I know there's an interview with Chris Tucker uh, five or six months ago that he was talking about, hey, we're doing this, it's happening, the wheels are in motion, we're getting ready to make this film. But then again, since then, we haven't heard anything about that. But when it does finally get made, I guarantee you it's not going to be a flop. It's going to be something that might not do gangbusters at the box office, but it'll do be something that's definitely worth the money. So, you know, is it worth it for a studio to put the time and effort into making something that only makes them a little bit of money? Or is are they really trying to make this one a hit? Who knows? Who knows? But I'll tell you what, it's be interesting to see. We're not going to go ahead and be so dismissive next time around if that's the case for either Bad Boys 4 or Rush Hour 4, if that's the case. Because I'll tell you what, we were proven wrong this time around, but we're going to be a little bit more apprehensive to go ahead and jump on the button to say this movie is going to be a failure just because it's a reboot or let's say a sequel to something that's been a long time away. So we're going to be a little bit more guarded in our expectations one way or the other when it comes to these nostalgia plays, because you never know when the fans are going to come out and see something that they remember so fondly. What are your thoughts out there on Bad Boys 3, did you enjoy it this weekend? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, let me give you the rest of the lineup for the show that's coming on today. Right after the break, we've got Colleen Hopwood from Pop Sockets, 
She's going to tell us about some great things going on with Pop Sockets, including something I've been waiting for for a long time so I can use Pop Sockets again on my phone. So you got to listen to that coming up right after the break. Right after that, it's Jessica Boggs starting with her part two of her January TV update to give us more info on what's going on with the cable networks and some streaming stuff as well. Plus, after that, at the halfway point, we've got Monique Peterson from Oral-B. She's going to be talking to us about the Oral-B IO. Jamie and I absolutely loved this electric toothbrush. And, you know, people say it's just an electric toothbrush. It does a lot more than any other electric toothbrush we've ever seen. So she's going to talk about that coming up around the halfway point. Jessica Boggs will come back for just a few minutes with her January TV update. The third part, though, is the part I wanted to say in advance. I apologize. It's me singing, but only for just a few seconds because we're going to be testing out Roxy Mobile Karaoke later in the program with Mackenzie Prince. She's going to be talking about how you can go ahead and have your own karaoke right in your own car as well, just like James Corden does on his show. And then we're going to close out the show with Josh and I talking about the DC and Marvel universes getting a little bit closer with DC with Crisis of Infinite Earths and also Marvel with the Morbius trailer. Both of them made inferences as far as bringing those movie universes and comic book and TV universes a little bit closer together. We'll explain why coming up at the end of the show and whether or not we like the way they did it or not. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hello, America. You like listening to knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do? Wilbur does, don't you, Wilbur? But what about Daisy? She likes to listen to shows about pop culture, movies, television, and comic books. Good thing Wilbur and Daisy found the Nerd Bliss Podcast. You, too, can find the Nerd Bliss Podcast at nerdblisspodcast.com and on the ESO Network. Just remember, Nerd Bliss is one word. And we're back once again at CES 2020. It's Gerald coming right back at you here at Pop Sockets. I almost got that right. I know there's a lot of fans out there of Pop Sockets. Everywhere you go, you see so many of them out there. And here with me today is Colleen Hopwood. Yes. All right. Getting so far, except one exception. I've done great with names so far here at CES. So I'm almost on a row. But I want to ask you, you've gotten a lot of acclaim for something here today that actually is peak interest to me because... Uh, first question I was asked when I came to the booth is, why don't you have a pop socket? Your whole family has a pop socket. You don't. I did. But the reason why I stopped using it is because I use a wireless charger. Right. You may have solved that problem for a lot of people out there, didn't you? Yes, we did. Um, at the show this year, we launched uh, our Pop Power home wireless charger. It is the most powerful charger that's out in the market. Um, it is a 15 watt charger. Um, not only that, the reason why it is so cool and why you're gonna put a pop grip back on your phone is because it will actually charge through your pop grip and thick cases. So a standard charger, wireless charger out in the market charges between two millimeters and three millimeters of distance, whereas ours will charge through 12 millimeters of distance. Very nice indeed. I mean, again, like I said, that's something that was the only drawback is I couldn't, it was very bulky, it was hard, you know, things of that nature to place it right and whatnot. This has definitely solved that issue. Yes, completely. And, you know, you've got that and I've seen all the different colors and styles, but that's also something that was very important because, you know, with pop sockets, the fact is, as I was saying earlier, you have a very loyal base. 
very great consumer following, and the things that they like and see is not only just because the practicality of pop sockets, but because of the style as well. Correct, yeah, and it's very important with any of the new product categories that we start to expand into as a company that we follow our brand language, which is definitely, as you can tell with our new wireless charger, it is round, and there's a specific reason why it's round, um, so it resonates with our original pop grip, which is being tried and true to our heritage, and then we also came out with some really fun prints and graphics and then some other additional colors for our charger as well that sets it apart but goes obviously along with their brand. Well, that's very interesting, and I heard it just came out to the marketplace, is that correct? It did. It just launched on January 7th, the first day of CES. It is available at popsockets.com for $60. Very nice indeed. And I know there's a lot of other great things at PopSockets besides the award-winning charger that you have here today. I know. I mean, you're going to find you're going to need more space to, you know, with all those signs that says CES award winner right there for you. Yeah, that's right. I agree. But there is more to offer when you talk about pop sockets, of course. Correct. Yes, we also have brand new pop thirst items that are out. And those are koozies and sleeves. A lot of that also lends to the fact that we are a very eco-friendly company. So we have, the, with the cup sleeve, it's one that you can take with you, reuse, and not use all the cardboard ones that you get at the coffee store every morning. Oh, and I also heard and was told beforehand about the the alignment that you have, not only with, you know, you have Amazon, Walmart, or whatnot, but you also have a burgeoning alignment with Target stores, is that correct? Yes, we do. We have a very good relationship with Target. We have worked with them for quite a while now and have a very strong relationship and try to do some really cool new launches with them as well. Absolutely. And I saw some things that are exclusive to that line and it's very interesting to see. And even the cup holder, pop socket type deal as far as for whether cups, cans, things of that nature? Yes. Yeah, so we have all the pop thirst items that are down there. Those are the can holders and the cup sleeves. And of course, you can swap out your tops on those as well. And the one last thing I got to ask you, because uh, like I said before, I have three girls running around my house. Something they always have is a phone with a pop socket in one hand and lip balm on the other. And you may have just solved that problem too. That is correct. We have the ingenious idea of the pop grip lips. Pop Grip Lips is actually our own all natural formulation of a lip balm. It comes in multiple flavors, some as Watermillionaire, Blue Radberry, Strawberry Fields, Cotton Candy, and oh, so vanilla. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my girls are going to be ecstatic when they hear this. I'll tell you what, if somebody wants to find out more information about all the great products, where do they need to go? definitely need to go to popsockets.com. Absolutely. Couldn't be a better place to go to see all the different designs, all the different styles, and of course your award-winning new wireless charger right there for you. I want to tell you what, Colleen, I know you've been very busy, and uh, from what I hear, just even being here at the booth, it's just like running around like crazy. I just want to thank you for slowing down just a couple of minutes to speak to me today right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Yes, of course. Thank you for coming by. Thank you again. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, it's Jessica Box from the TVRaysGuide.com. You got to check out what she's doing there at TVRaysGuide.com. I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on in cable. And I think we should start off with the battle that you and I like to talk about on Wednesday nights, and that's All Elite Wrestling versus NXT 
obviously the the parent company is World Wrestling Entertainment. So I want to hear your thoughts on the numbers of what's going on with All Elite Wrestling. When we last left that battle, it looked like NXT had taken a turn for the better and AAW a turn for the worse. But things have changed dramatically in that realm because uh, NXT put out some shows of best of and things of that nature, and they lost a lot of momentum, and All Elite Wrestling has got it back. Well, it looks like with, especially in the key demo, you got last week AEW's ratings were steady at like a 0.36, while NXT ticked up to like a 0.19. And apparently in total viewers, NXT lost viewers. Quite a bit. Yes, they did. When they did the best of shows at the end of the year, that really killed their momentum. And it's come to the point where AEW has retaken the lead in overall viewers by a substantial margin. But one thing I want to talk about with All Elite Wrestling, whatever numbers they're doing now, they are pressing TNT and the folks at Turner Network Television because, you know what, they got renewed. Even when, you know, we've talked about the numbers that they lost overall since their beginning because they started out with about 1.4 million and it's, you know, certain point in times they were actually in the 700s, 800,000 type mark. They've gone up in numbers close to back to a million again overall. So it's pleased TNT to the point where All Elite Wrestling has got an approval through, I think, 2023 is what I remember. And not only that, they've added a second show as well. I have not heard about a second show with All Elite Wrestling. They've added a second show to it that's coming up in the future. I don't think it's going to be AEW Dark. It's maybe AEW Dark will be, I guess, maybe um, reformatted possibly. Or they could add a second day to their schedule, similar to what World Championship Wrestling did with WCW Nitro. And then they also had Thunder. So we'll see what happens there. But that's very interesting that TNT so early on has laid so much faith into All Elite Wrestling. I feel like, honestly, it's like we saw that... And then they apparently said when they launched AEW a year ago, they wanted to start a revolution that would disrupt the wrestling business. But everyone said it would take a strong weekly television partner to make AEW real in the eyes of everyone. And although overall it has pretty much not set the world on fire, though, but it's beating NXT regularly. And I think the fact that it gained viewers in the past couple of weeks and not just a, you know, a small percentage point, by a, by a decent margin, that has, I guess, greenlit for TNT the a faith and approval that they have with All Elite Wrestling. And it's good to see that TNT has its faith in wrestling once again, because I'll be honest with you, as someone who watched the Attitude Era and all that was going on in the 90s and the, and the Monday Night Wrestling Wars and all that, it was really fun to see what was coming up each and every week, that kind of excitement that you had. And it all went by the wayside when TNT got bought out by AOL and, and the new owners of AOL did not want anything to do with wrestling. So they kicked it to the side. But it's good to see once again that All Elite Wrestling now has a place and a home and a future, at least a television future. And I think that's a good sign for fans everywhere out of the wrestling thing, we recently learned that Shameless was renanceled, basically renewed for an 11th and final season, which is pretty much the trend that you see on television today, even though it did fine. 
in the Showtime ratings. I just think maybe there's some creative issues behind the scenes that says, you know what, I think it's time to pack it in. Plus, William H. Macy's troubles might have brought on possibly some some heat back behind what was going on. That may have caused or sped up the demise of the show overall as well. But I'd say 11 seasons is probably a good number to go ahead and end on. I agree. And then on Lifetime, we saw the Super Nanny reboot ticking up to a 0.16 this past week. It skewed younger in a key demo that was last week. And it's pretty much middle of the pack for Lifetime. And ironically, that's a better rating than the later episodes of Wife Swap on Paramount Network, which got as low as a 0.07. I thought it was pretty interesting given that these were both somewhat reliable but cheap reality shows like on ABC that aired for many years and then got canceled in like 2009. These were like on cable networks now. I'll tell you what, that's very interesting to hear. And I know there's a lot of other things that are going on. There's a lot on TCAs, though. We've seen Warner Media unveiling new shows, and we've also seen FX with its new shows coming on. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you, because FX, despite all the stuff that's going on with the broadcast and cable networks, with a lot of programming being pulled away to streaming and, well, in case from one day at a time, actually going in the other way. But when it comes to what's going on at FX, they're the one of the few networks that seems to be something that Disney and Fox, whatever's left of Fox, still seem to get behind because they have a lot of quality programming, a lot of award-winning programming there. So I want to hear your thoughts, what FX has in store for audiences coming up. FX Overall, touts its move to Hulu under the Disney umbrella, which is like FX on Hulu, and moving FX now to every show on Hulu, apparently according to like the president of FX. Well, that's not surprising to see that happening because, like you've said before, with this merger of Fox and Disney, I mean, it's been very intriguing what assets that Disney wants to keep alive and what assets they just want to absolutely get rid of and get rid of very quickly. So I can understand that with Hulu and the fact that Hulu needs a lot of help because I don't know what your, what your opinion on Hulu is, but Hulu's kind of, to me, in like a state of flux. You know, you, obviously Disney is pushing more the Disney Plus side of things and Hulu they want to put for the non-Disney content or the non-approved Disney content onto there, whether it's, you know, adult content or just content from other shows and things of that nature. But I don't know if people perceive Hulu at the same level they do as Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. It's just so hard to try and tier some of these streaming networks at this point in time to to see where on the priority level with audiences where they stand. I think it's kind of like in the state of flux right now, too, because of a lot of people see it as like a second tier network, but still it gets like a lot of originals. And you commented on HBO Max using the IndieWire quote. And from them, they, they said that HBO Max will debut with 10,000 hours of content, but it won't impact Warner Media's other services, which, you know, everybody knows as HBO, HBO Now, HBO Go, Boomerang, and DC Universe, and all that type of stuff. I kind of object to that i think eventually in the long run it will affect some of those networks and as we've seen with other 
high entities like Disney and things of that nature, they're going to go ahead and pull the plug, I think, at some point in time on some of these smaller networks that are out there. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a Viacom type deprioritization, if that makes sense. It's like before the merger, like Viacom focused on like six core brands and then that went on the wayside. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what HBO Max, how it's perceived. Its price point range right off the bat is on the higher end on a per month basis. So it's going to have to deliver a lot that maybe in that kind of flux where it has to sit right there at a level that's comparative to Disney Plus and right there with Netflix has to be above what Amazon Prime, CBS All Access, and some of the other streaming networks that are out there are offering at this point in time, especially for the $15 a month price point. So that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see when HBO Max comes out here in just a little bit. Right after the break, we've got Monique Peterson from Oral-B. She's going to be talking to us about the Oral-B IO. Jessica Boggs will come back for just a few minutes with her January TV update. We're going to be testing out Roxy Mobile Karaoke later in the program with Mackenzie Prince. And then we're going to close out the show with Josh and I talking about the DC and Marvel universes getting a little bit closer and whether or not we like the way they did it or not. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. Thanks once again for joining us right here at Pepcom and CES 2020. Jamie and Gerald along with you right here. We're now, we're looking for some cleaner teeth, both him and I. We're looking for a little bit better dental care. And where do we go for better dental care is Oral-B. And then introducing today at CES, the new Oral-B IO. And here today I have... Bettina Roberts. Oh, well, pleasure to meet you. You're holding in your hand right now that Jamie's going to take a picture of is the new Oral-B IO. And I'll tell you what, as someone who uses electric toothbrushes, and has a son who is a dentist right now. He's very particular about what I brush my teeth with. So tell me today about the IO and how it can help me even more than the toothbrushes I use today, which by the way is an Oral-B. Okay, so with, um, with Oral-B IO, we really have made a step change in brush technology. We have um, rethought on how a toothbrush, an electric toothbrush should work and have come up with a, a new drive system, which, we, which is linear magnetic drive system, that runs very smoothly and very effectively and transfers the cleaning energy uh, frictionless through magnetic connections directly into the bristle tips and doesn't lose it along the way. So this means that the brush runs very smoothly, gives superior cleaning performance, but on top of that, really that very smooth, new brushing experience in your mouth. So if I turn the brush on, and your radio listeners will probably not even hear it because we have worked really hard to reduce the sound of this brush and the vibrations of the brush. So this is the brush on now. And you can see, you 
can hardly and you can hardly hear it. And if I may let the expert hold it for a moment. It's, it's definitely quiet and I'm not getting the your normal electric standard toothbrushes. Your run of the mill when you're holding them, you tend to feel like it's over vibrating your hand. And this does not affect my grip, the way it feels in my hand at all. It's yes. very smooth, as she said. Very, uh, very low reduction on the noise. Very smooth. Okay. So we we really did a lot of work in controlling the vibrations of the brush. The brush still moves in the Oral B traditional oscillating, rotating way, which means it moves back and forth. Um, and we still have that classic round brush head, which we know round cleans better. Um, on top of that, this linear drive generates what we call the revolutionary micro vibrations. And these small vibrations allow the brush head to glide gently from tooth to tooth. And it also allows these densely packed bristles to reach deep into these hard to reach areas, which is one of the reasons why we have this um, superior cleaning performance. We have clinical data that shows that this brush performs better in plug removal and better in gum health management than our own brushes and our competition. Um, so we have achieved what we set out to do, which is uh, superior cleaning and a much better brushing experience. Well, it sounds incredible and it looks absolutely amazing. It is probably the best electric toothbrush I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, as far as how much of a battery life does it normally have? So this brush regulates the brushing. So it depends on how much the individual is actually put pressure on. And so it's a, a bit of an individual value versus what you're usually used to. In our experiments, we see that people use the brush between nine and 14 days. Let me tell you about the pressure because this is one of the elements that impact how um, well you clean and how much energy is used. So we have got a pressure sensor and you probably know a pressure sensor from Oral-B that goes red when you're going into overpressure. With this brush, we have what we call a bimodal pressure sensor that we in, uh, invented specifically, that when you reach optimal cleaning pressure, the light ring that usually shows you overpressure shows you a green light and uh, indicates to you that you're now in the optimal cleaning zone. So it shows you when you're not brushing enough and it shows you when you're pressing too much. Additionally to that kind of uh, support feature of doing the right thing for your teeth and your enamel, we have an interactive display that sits on the brush. It greets you as soon as you interact with it and it then shows you the progress through your optimal two minutes brushing. And once you're finished, in our case we have now, because we've, our interview is about three minutes long by now, we have brushed that long and it shows you this smiley on the display giving you the reassurance that you have brushed uh, the right length of time. Now, do you get a frowny face if you don't? Yes. I, I was so distracted that I didn't show you this. And then you have an opportunity to restart the brushing and it knows where you were at so that you then can still reach that smiley. I've seen his frowny face. It's not a pleasant frowny face. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Jamie's. So, and the other thing that we have done, I'm not sure this is going to be difficult for radio viewers, but I'm gonna to try to explain this. So this brush also contains sensors. 
that let the, that know where the brush is in the three-dimensional space. And we have used artificial intelligence to develop an algorithm that shows you where you're brushing. So we have developed an app that then allows the user to see where they're brushing. And we have divided the mouth into six zones. So we have got an upper jaw, the lower jaw, and in each one of those we have the front, the left, and the right. So we have six zones all together. So this was something that we already had in our Genius X brush that showed you where you were brushing. With this one, we went a step further. And for each one of the zones, we can show you whether in that zone you're brushing on the outside surfaces of your teeth, the inside surfaces of your teeth, or your chewing surfaces. Which then, so while I was doing this, you can see how the brush detected this and um, indicated this to me on the app display so that I then know whether I have missed areas in my mouth or that I have underbrushed. And we know this is highly relevant because our data shows that people brush the areas that they see in the mirror extremely well and often do that completely. But the areas that you don't see are at risk and four times more at risk of being underbrushed. And within those areas, that are underbrushed, 22% of them never get brushed. They don't get even touched by the brush. So for us, it was important not only to generate or create a brush that cleans really well, it also was important that we support the user to guide that brush into the right places to help you maintain your oral health and help you maintain that healthy smile for longer. Very impressive indeed, and I'll tell you what, again, it is the most beautiful toothbrush I've ever seen in my life. How can people get more information, and exactly when does it come out, price, availability, you know, how can people find out more what's going on with the Oral-B I.O.? So, the launch plan for I.O. Uh, is that it comes out this summer, 2020. You can find out more about it if you're searching for Oral BIO online. We have a specific website that is currently running as we're launching here at CES and we're updating this with information. If you're interested in getting a better toothbrush, it's definitely something that people need to consider strongly, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, again, all night tonight, it seems like I've been thinking everything's getting simpler for us, you know? So this makes it simpler for me to go back and track my kids going, oh, you didn't brush back there. Don't tell me you brushed that. This is bad for children, great for adults. And as a parent of two kids that also want to neglect their teeth from time to time, you know, just like every kid out there does, this is definitely a way to keep track of that. But again, uh, you know, like you said, it's coming out summer, summer correct, of this year. That's the Oral-B-I-O. It is truly impressive, and I cannot thank you enough for explaining more about it today because it is one remarkable piece of dental technology. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Uh, thank you again, and I just truly cannot thank you enough for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos today. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Jessica, I know I was here at CES, and Queeby was also another point of contention because people wanted to go ahead and understand more about that streaming service as it comes out this year as well. Any word on in around the, the offices at the tvratingsguide.com about Quibi and what kind of imprint it can make into the streaming marketplace? I feel like right now it looks like, I mean, a lot of us are, I mean, we kind of know about 
Queeby, kind of like the quick bite content created, turning any moment into the extraordinary. An upcoming American short form mobile video platform targeted at younger viewers at premium content delivered in quick bites for viewing on a go. Kind of like a Snapchat original series because Perfect. apparently short of attention spans type thing, but short attention span right here, right here. But it is something that they did have a major press conference during CES. So it was very interesting to see what was going on there and their future about what they want to go ahead and do and accomplish. They've got a lot of big name talent that's coming over there to produce content for it. So it's going to be interesting to see if people have their mobile phones or their mobile tablets or whatever mobile devices that they have. And they're going to go ahead and watch Quibi and be a part of it because it's very interesting to see what they're going to be offering coming up here in the not too distant future. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure short form type yeah. thing. If it's any similar to that. Absolutely. It's going to be something very interesting to see how it's perceived. And they are targeting millennials that are out there. So And Gen Zers. And Gen Zers. Uh, you know, I'm Gen X, so I'm a nobody. So pretty much that comes down to it. Nobody's targeting anything at us except for old age coming up here in the not too distant future. But then again, I digress on that. But I tell you what, right now, it's been great talking to you about what's going on with the January TV update. I cannot thank you enough for being part of both the PCC Multiverse and the Pop Culture Cosmos. Just tremendous that you've been on both shows talking about what's coming up in the world of television. But before we head on out, Jessica, I got to ask you, what's going on in your world with your great show, Jessica's show, but also all the stuff you've got coming up for the tvratingsguide.com. Well, coming up on Jessica's show, either this week or next week, we're talking about the leap years, how it only comes up like every four years. And what's the running gag with, I'm 10 years old, though, despite the fact that they celebrate their birthday either the day after or the day before, which is pretty interesting. And in the TV ratings guide, we just relaunched the sitcom scorecard and launched its spinoff, a drama scorecard. And what better to start 2020 than the track ranking changes among the sitcoms and the dramas. Plus all the original shows that you have right there on the TV ratings your show Jessica's show that's available on Anchor Podcast. It's just so great to see all the stuff that you're doing. I know you were even on Twitter and talking about all the stuff that you're writing about and how there's a lot to write about when it comes to what's going on there in the world of pop culture and television and all that. And I'll tell you what, it's just been such a great time talking to you for the January TV update. One last thing I wanted to talk about and touch upon before we head on out, and that was the number one status. Going back full circle, we're coming around full circle again to the number one network right now for broadcast television is CBS. I could see the more thinking about it more extensively, a shift going on, kind of like uh, maybe um, artificial inflation of the ratings because NBC has the Olympics this year, and that's something that could sway into the ratings as well. Yeah, but that's coming on in the summertime, though. But overall, I mean, when it comes to the, the number one broadcast network of the year, I mean, that's that's something like now that's held in with CBS. But at some point in time, with the inflated ratings that NBC gets, that could give them a boost enough to get the number one ratings overall for 2020 by the end of the year, even though you and I both will know possibly that 
NBC doesn't have enough on a day-to-day basis to yet supplant CBS overall. CBS has like Sunday through Friday as their main programming base, while NBC has Monday through Friday, although they'll add Sunday after football in February. And this year, Fox has the Super Bowl. So that's going to be three networks potentially in flux. And CBS is number one in total viewers, but not necessarily in the demo at the moment. A lot of things to think about indeed. And plus, we will keep sending you the news right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on our social media, especially Facebook. And also the TVRatingsGuide.com will keep you invested in what's going on at the Television Critics Association meetings that are taking place. As you're hearing this right now, that's taking place in Southern California. So it's a great time for television, both the networks, both the cable networks, and the streaming networks that are out there. So a lot of things that are still yet to be announced, a lot of stuff that's going on, and more 70s, 80s, and 90s shows rearing its whatever head. What do you want to say? Ugly head? What do you want to say? It's good? What do you say? It's bad? But Or a mixed bag. Yes, a more mixed bag coming to whatever broadcast cable or streaming station coming up in the near future as well. So, so. Nancy Drew coming up and skewing older than the rest of the CW, but still getting renewed. Still getting renewed. Everything on the CW. You know, CW, <laughs> uh, I've given up on the CW. I'm just happy when it comes to their Crisis of Infinite Earths was something, like you said, exploded out there on social media a lot of things that went on. The Ezra Miller cameo really blew up big time in the way that they wanted to. Hopefully that will lead to good ratings for those superhero shows on the CW down the road as well. I mean, normally it usually doesn't translate very well after the crossover, but we'll see how that goes. Well, Jessica Boggs from the TVRainsGuide.com and Jessica's show on Anchor Podcast. Tell you what, it's been so great to listen to you. It's so great to hear your thoughts on today's show. I want to go ahead and thank you. Plus, also, again, Jessica's show is also available not only on Anchor Podcast, but wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's out there. Yes. And you can catch up and listen on the back end of episodes on any of these platforms. It's great to listen to all the stuff that you got going on there. It's great to read all the things that you've got going on at the TVRaysGuide.com. Cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us once again, as you do each month with your January TV update. Looking forward to hearing what's coming up when we meet again next month, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. All right, and we're back once again at Pepcom and CES 2020. I'm here at CarKit AI. That's right, CarKit AI. And they have, for everyone out there that wants to be like James Corden, it's Roxy Mobile Karaoke. And here today is Mackenzie, Mackenzie Prince from CarKit AI to tell us all about the great things that are going on with Roxy. 
I don't know if they can help my voice, but it can sure make it sound good in the car, can it? Oh, it absolutely can. So tell me a little bit more about what's going on with Roxy Mobile Karaoke. And for everybody out there that loves to go ahead and sing, I know, like, I, I kidded James Corden, but he has introduced a whole new way that people want to go ahead and experience sing. How is that incorporated with Roxy Mobile Karaoke? So Roxy Mobile Karaoke is completely hands-free. Um, it actually uses Siri or Google, whichever one you have. And it just basically eliminates the third party. So you're not using YouTube while you're driving and searching Taylor Swift Karaoke. You just say, hey, Roxy, play Taylor Swift Karaoke, and she'll play it. She doesn't completely shut out the lyrics. She just tones down the vocals, so you can still kind of follow along with her. And then the microphone just goes on the dash cam, and it can pick up to two meters. So even people in the backseat of your car can be broadcasted. We're actually working on a dash cam right now, so that will be available later on in the year, and that way you can actually record your whole karaoke party in the car. Well, that's very interesting. And what type of price range are you looking at as far as the whole kit is concerned, or without the dash cam, of course? It's a 149. 149, is it available now? It is available now and it ships out the beginning of February. Very, very interesting indeed. Have you been testing it with people out at Pepcom and CES? Oh my goodness, people have been loving it so far and it's so loud in here so you can't even really hear it, but so far we've had a really good outcome. Oh, fair enough. Jamie, you want to give it a try? What? You know my voice sounds worse than yours. Okay. Oh, I enjoy hearing your voice. I do not enjoy hearing my own. Well, not everybody hears, enjoys hearing my voice, especially in my own house. Let me see. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's go. Let's go some U2. I'm sorry. What did you say? Can you do U2 on this right now? If I said I wanted to go ahead and sing a U2 song, would yeah, that be possible? Yeah. So we just have to put the headphones on because we're not allowed to broadcast music. Ah, no worries. But you can hear my lousy voice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so I'm. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So you, you get. Uh, Get the, the microphone since I'm going to do this. Go ahead, keep keep it on. I'm got gonna do this. Alright everybody, I took over for Gerald. It's your boy Degenerate, Jamie, also known as. We're here. He's gonna be trying out Roxy Mobile Karaoke. Okay, Roxy. So here we go. Let's hear some YouTube. Okay, Roxy. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's working now. Alright, there we go. Mackenzie found what Gerald was looking for, everybody, just so you know. <laughs> Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Hey, Bono ain't got nothing on me, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> I've climbed the highest mountains, I have run through the fields, only to be with you, only to be with you. All my listeners are leaving now and changing the radio station. Only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But if you're still listening, we hope you have, because but Gerald is not yet boring. I haven't found what I'm looking for. Hold yeah. up the lighters. If you could see this, everybody, you would see lighters everywhere. Bravo, bravo. That was a lot of fun, I'll tell you right there. A lot of a lot of fun indeed. Once again, that's Roxy Mobile Karaoke. I appreciate it, Jeffrey, Mackenzie. Any last thoughts on what you want to tell people out there with Roxy Mobile Karaoke? It's a party and you'll never do a car trip boring again. She's not lying. I was not bored that entire time. <laughs> I would buy this just so I could watch Gerald do it over and over on the way to E3.
Once again, that is Roxy Mobile Karaoke from our friends at Car Kit AI. Check it out today. It's coming up soon for everybody out there at 149 right there for you. That's Roxy Mobile Karaoke. Take a look out for it. You'll be glad you did. And you know what? Get your voice ready because more fun singing is on the way from Roxy Mobile Karaoke. Thank you so much to Mackenzie, Jeffrey for being a part of it and allowing me to destroy my voice right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. I do want to thank Colleen Hopwood from Pop Sockets, Monique Peterson from Oral B, Mackenzie Price from Roxy Mobile Karaoke, and Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide for being a part of today's program. Before we go into our last topic of the day, my friend, again, I just want to apologize to you and the listeners out there for my voice and just say, please, Josh, I hope this doesn't end our friendship. When it comes to our friendship, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, you know? Oh. <laughs> you see what Arch. I did there? Yeah, yeah that's good. You'll laugh yeah. about it later. It's all right. I, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Well, hopefully we didn't lose too much of the audience and subscribers out there. If you get a chance, though, please subscribe to our show so you can get the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you have any questions, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Or even go ahead and send us a question or comment to us. Hopefully not one of my singing, please, if you don't mind, because I already know it's bad. As part of a five-star review, you can go ahead and you know ask us any questions or upcoming topics you'd love to hear us talk about right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Before we head on out, my friend, just wanted to go ahead and talk to you real quick about the DC and Marvel universes. DC on the CW with their big crossover event, Crisis of Infinite Earths. There was a little thing that happened, and Jessica Box and I talked about it, that Ezra Miller, who plays The Flash in the movies, got to meet the Barry Allen in the TV universe as part of the Crisis of Infinite Earths. And in Marvel, the Morbius trailer just came out last week from Sony. In the trailer itself was a poster of Spider-Man. And at the end, Michael Keaton, the vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming, he was actually part of the trailer at the end, which you know people were asking, does that mean the Marvel Cinematic Universe, does that tie into Morbius and all that? And then with DC, they were talking about the same thing. Does that mean everything in the film universe and Justice League, does that combine everything TV? So I want to talk to you, my friend, about this because it blew up on social media on both accounts. Are you okay with this? What were your thoughts when you were watching all this, what was going on? And do you like the fact that they made these universes just a little bit smaller on both the DC and the Marvel end? I'm not not okay with it. Like with um, what it really did for me as far as the uh, DCU goes, it's like it really doubled down on the fact is like I didn't know what's going on with these heroes what's going on with the flash what's going on with justice league what's going on with any of the film properties and it kind of doubled down on the idea that like hey we're still working on this, this is still a thing that's still a universe we care about we're still hyping it up and you know this also was preceded by news that the flash film was still being worked on it's a, a twist on flashpoint that we haven't seen yet and that's something that I'm really kind of excited about because you know, on the Marvel side of things, Marvel doesn't really have a choice. If Sony wants to tie their heroes into this universe, they're going to have to deal with that because eventually Tom Holland and Spider-Man are going to go back to Sony whenever this deal is over, and they're going to have to work with that. The, these universes are going to be connected whether they like it or not. So 
you know, that's not to say that we're going to see Morbius facing off against Thor or anything, but these universes are connected in their own right just because eventually Spider-Man will go back to Sony and we will see him in a Venom or a Carnage flick or even in Morbius or uh, Craven the Hunter. They don't really have a choice at this point because that's just the the deal that they signed. You know, when they took Tom Holland on, that's just what happened. So I'm not not okay with it. I just want to see it happen cohesively. But it's funny though, in the Marvel case, it seems like almost a, like a, if you had a family reunion and there was this big secret you didn't want to tell grandma and then cousin Joe over in the corner blurts it out. It seems to me like it's that when it concerns Sony actually just going ahead and doing that Michael Keaton thing and people were tying in, you know, saying, oh, that ties in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I would have felt more comfortable if it had been done within the context of a Marvel movie, I guess. I, that, that's what I pretty much wanted to say. Is it just seems kind of awkward when Sony does it. It's like Sony forcing all this stuff to happen. And I know they have the right to because they have the rights to the Vulture and they have the rights to Spider-Man and you know the 900 superheroes that they have access to. But it, it just seems kind of awkward when they do it. It just seems like they want to go ahead and push their own agenda, which is obviously what they're trying to do. But it just seems like, you know, there's somewhere Kevin Feige has to grit his teeth because he's not going ahead and pulling all the strings when he wants to. With the DC side, I will say it's a big benefit because they're still trying to find their audience. And it did improve ratings a little bit. The whole Crisis of Infinite Earths was a big win for them overall. And hopefully going forward, it'll help all these small CW superhero shows going forward say, hey, Maybe it'll get people more involved in watching it because they may want to go ahead and see if there's any more clues or inferences to things that are going on in the big DC film universe. So I, I kind of like that move to go ahead and just sneak that in there. And I thought that was something special for the fans. And I truly am happy for the people that are really followers of the DC universe on that. So I thought that was something that was really beneficial for the DC universe. And so I didn't have any problems with that one at all. Both of these properties, like I don't really have an issue with i just want to see him going in the right direction and as for like marvel especially like it gets me excited because it's something new it's something like different being added to a universe that you know in my opinion feels like it might become stagnant after endgame you know we haven't seen anything since spider-man so we don't know what the world is like but i just like i fear what it might become and with the prospect of like sony kind of running alongside of it it just goes to show that this universe is capable of growth what are your thoughts out there on the Morbius trailer, the Crisis of Infinite Earths, and the DC and the Marvel universes in their own respective universes getting a little bit closer from the Marvel-Sony deal as far as that's concerned, and then also the CW superhero shows getting a little bit closer to the DCEU? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great episode, my friend. I hope I... I can still call you my friend after listening to my voice. Any last thoughts on the way out, dare I say? Will we be getting a rendition of Vertigo anytime soon? Only if I'm paid for it. Only if I'm paid for it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we can still be friends then in that case. Fair enough. I hope, like I said, I didn't lose too many listeners and subscribers on the way out. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop 
Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And boy, especially on today's show, we thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.